Kyora from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papa Toy Toy, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service, and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Awesome. Well, my name is Tyler, and I am one of the ministers here in South Auckland. I have the privilege to bring the word to you, so thank you, Pastor Taolu and Pastor Rowena. I think I've been walking with this church family for the past 12 years, and as I was preparing for this sermon, I was reminded of my most fond memories growing up in this church, and there is a box of tissues somewhere, because I'm probably going to start crying at this point. And so I recall the Gungai days at Uncle Tofinga and Auntie Lily's house. Are you guys here? Yes, there they are. And my first ever trying luau, or palusami if you're Fijian. And I was thinking, Lord, I must be in heaven. (laughs) And the Christmas afternoon spent at Leonard's family home, indulging in his father's Malaysian cuisine in preparation to climb up the Piha mountain to watch the sunset. Who does that? Hey, thanks, Sarah. Now she's married. Awesome. And what about my favorite Tongan dessert? Who is Tongan in this house? We can be honest with church family. (laughs) My favorite Tongan dessert, Faikakai. Served piping hot by one of our aunties as her and her family watch every bite and every satisfaction expressed on our faces. Oh, how can I forget the sweet aroma of panipopo? Oh, yes, thank you, Lord, we are in heaven. Served by Lona and Zonda in our Sawau home amongst our Fijian family. And how can I forget my mum? This is my mum right here. She's, she's so awesome. <laughs> she's so cool. And my dad and my brother. But sometimes she shares the not-so-cool stories of myself over adobo and rice to my friends to this day. And I'm not sharing this to make you hungry, but I share this because relationship is a vital part of our lives. We, like hug your neighbor, or if you don't have one, just pretend to have one. We are called to walk in community, to live and interact with each other all the days of our lives. Wow. You know, they say that it takes seven people for one to hear the truth of the gospel before their conversion. Interestingly enough, six of those were put on my path. Oh boy, I must have been like deep into my sin. God loves me so much. Six. And four of those six who remain to be my closest friends to this day and introduced me to this church family, not only proclaimed the truth of eternity to me, but they demonstrated it by the way that they love and live their lives towards me and other people. And ladies and gentlemen, this is what the book of James is all about. This is what the book of James is all about. It is about a community of imperfect people living and interacting with each other during a specific time and place. And that's pretty cool. 
So you will soon find out that in our wrap-up series today, The Gospel Demonstrated, that when you put two imperfect people, you are bound to face challenges. Amen. <laughs> and dramas. And so we've heard some of these from the past three weeks, and James is definitely not mucking around. He is very upfront, and we hear this in his writing. And so today we are going to cover the remainder of James chapter two. And for some of the questions that he actually puts in his passage, it might or could sound in contradiction to Paul, but I assure you, he doesn't. James and Paul both magnify that the only way that you can be justified before God, which is in right standing with God, is by putting our faith in Christ alone. Thank you, God. Just, um, and so James's audience was quite different from Paul's. James was dealing with his church, who were Jewish Christians. They were Jews who had converted into Christianity by putting their faith in Christ, and they were actually living out of their old way of thinking, old way of living from the strict Mosaic law. And so you will hear dramas, right? And so as we delve into this passage, you will, we will hear James refer to his scriptures from the Old Testament. And so Leonard actually mentioned some of these struggles that the church was going through. In his church, they were going through a period of trial, of temptation, of persecution. Some of his church members were going through temptations to sin. Some were showing favoritism towards others, to rich people in particular. And some were actually competing for positions in the church. And last but not least, some were actually having problems controlling their tongue, taming their tongue. And so this was causing division within the church members. And so to sum it all up, one of the major problems that James was dealing with in this church was the failure on the part of many to live out what they profess, to walk the talk, to put faith into action, and put simply to demonstrate the gospel. And so we hear James repeat similar and powerful points to communicate an important message to his people. And so we find here in James 2, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith apart from works is useless. Faith apart from works is dead. To put in our context today, it is like Pastor Taulu in a nicer version. It is like Pastor Taulu writing to every nation Southside and specifically speaking to us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ and yet struggle to live a life that reflects Christ. Welcome to the club. It could be that because you are going through a period of trial, maybe in your health, maybe in your relationships, it could be that you are going through persecution from your family members or your colleagues. It could be that you are going through a time of testing. 
And some of us might be even tempted to sin, if not in a sinful lifestyle. It could be that you are going through a struggle to break free from addiction, to break free from sexual immorality, to break free from drunkenness, whatever they might be. It could be that you are struggling to relate to someone that is not like you, an ethnic or social background. Or it could be that you're asking yourself, why has Pastor Taulu not given me this role in this church? I mean, I relate to that because I've always wanted to be in the band, but my voice can only take me to the shower. <laughs> but last and not least, it could be that some of us are struggling to control what's coming out of our mouth. And this is hurting people within our body. Whether you can relate to one or all of these, and trust me, I relate to all of them. I think I called Marina last night and I said, Sister, I'm struggling with three of these points I'm talking about tomorrow. Can you please pray for me? Let me encourage you that God wants to show you these areas so that you can be set free from it, so that you can walk in the freedom that he has called you to be here on this earth. And he will walk you through it. Praise the Lord. So God, we're just going to pray. <laughs> Father, I'm so grateful for this church family. Thank you so much that you have called me to be in a family that just reflects your love. And Lord, if for any of us that are struggling with any of these points, or maybe we are in sin, oh God, would you help us to be a break free from it? Would you help us to walk through it and come out of it in the name of Jesus? And for those of us, Lord, that are not in this, or that, that, that don't know you, God, I ask that your, that your Father's heart would show them, would show them your love, that that love would drive them to repent and turn away from their sin and turn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's turn to James 2. We're going to begin with chapter of verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, be filled, without giving them the things that they need for their body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have work, is... Thank you. James approaches his readers here with a challenging question in verse 14, not because he was proposing a different way to salvation or a different way of getting right with God. He proposed this question to challenge his church about the genuineness of their faith. He wanted them to understand what a true saving faith looks like. This, there's a key word here, says. James is talking about or talking to a person that claims to have faith, but not actually having faith. And so in other words, this person is very good at walk, talking the talk, but not walking the talk. So he goes on to give us, to give us this example in verses 15 and 16. 
It is a person who sees a need but does not do anything about it. James considers this as dead faith. Remember, one of the challenges that his church was going through was the failure to actually serve the needs of the poor because they were favoring the rich people over the poor people. And so a true saving faith is an active faith, active faith. This is someone who demonstrates their faith through their actions. And so Charles Spurgeon quotes this, the child of God works not for life, but from life. He does not work to be saved, he works because he is saved. Saved just means that you are in right standing with God, away from destruction and hell. Our faith in Christ always results in life, and that life produces good works to those around you. If we want someone to know that we are Christians, our lives should really look like Christians, like Christ. And so as a church this morning, are we willing to relate to others that are not like us? Are we willing to go beyond our comfort to meet the needs of those around us? Do we show love through our words, our actions, to those that we find or struggle to love? You know, ever since I've been back from Fiji, is Jesse here this morning? Okay, he's not. So, um, every, um, when I came back from Fiji, everywhere I went, I would see Jesse. Jesse would be mowing Zonda's lawn. Jesse would be um, helping the girls, say, Peppa Evans, Nati's house, move into their new home. He even helped um, Leonard move into his new Howick home. You know the ninja from Howick last week? Yes, he helped him. And so when we launch this pilot program called Arise in our community, it really encouraged me to see Kizia, who not only shared the truth to her friend, but loved on her. I mean, that convicted me. I was like, oh, Lord, I'm not really a Christian today. And so another example was Uncle Otto. A couple of weeks ago, we had some rough sleepers who came in before the service. And instead of chasing them out, he welcomed them. You know, Uncle Otto, when he gives his big hug, you know, he welcomed them and he invited them to have a cuppa in our cafeteria. This is what active faith is. It is faith that is shown by, this, by serving the needs of those around us. Amen? Let's carry on. Verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Talk about being upfront, eh? In verse 19, you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you know that demons are real? Demons believe in the existence of God. 
Demons believe on the, in the deity of Christ. They even witness or bore witness to Christ's sonship. They even believe in the existence of a place of punishment. They recognize that Jesus is judge. They even submit to the power of his word, and yet they shudder. Do you know the translation of this word shudder means tremble? Tremble not in the fear or the reverence or into the holiness of God, but this is fear, this is trembling in hatred and in opposition to God. In hatred and opposition to God. And yet they shudder. This could be true when we claim to have faith, and yet our life, our lives, reflect our sinfulness. This is deception, family. We might as well consider that hatred and opposition to God. The enemy wants to kill, to steal, and destroy. From you being an effective witness for Christ. The evidence of our faith should show the way by the way that we live our lives. And to separate these is what James calls foolishness and useless. It does not benefit others, nor does it bring glory to God. True saving faith is a useful faith. It is one that produces a changed life. When Jesus encounters your sinful state and you understand and realize the love that he has for you, it is going to change you, change life. One that results in a conviction to live out God's truth to benefit someone else. This faith is motivated to please God, or this faith motivates us to please God. Do you know, before I became a Christian, this was me. I believe in the existence of God. I believe in his holiness. I believe in heaven or hell and hell. And yet, my life showed that I hated him. Through my words, through my life, I even believe that the Bible says that drunkenness is sin. And yet, I was bound by it. I was bound to it. But praise God, when Jesus encountered my sinfulness 12 years ago and forgave me of this lifestyle, thank you, Lord, for his resurrection because he empowered me to run away from it and say no to it and run to God. A life no longer bound by my sinful desires, but one that is free from it. By the grace of God, I have been sober for 12 years. Thank you, Lord. God is real, eh? God is real. Don't let me get my Fijian out now, guys. <laughs> With this life, he empowered me to say no, turn away from sin, say no to drunkenness, say no to fornication, to glorify him and demonstrate this love to other people through this new way of living my life as a Christian. Did you know 
It took three years from when I shared the gospel to my parents and actually live out this Christian walk before they came to know Christ. Three years. Well, that was hard, eh? Three years. Yeah, see the amening right here. But because they saw the evidence of my faith in Jesus through the way I was living my life, they too got right with God. Praise God. Family, God is speaking to us today. God is speaking to you and I today. And even challenging some of us in this area of sin. I don't know about you, but maybe some of us are going through this lifestyle of drunkenness. Maybe sexual immorality. Maybe unforgiveness. Maybe bitterness. I don't know. But the way that we can love other people... The way that we can love other people is by turning away from the sinful lifestyle. God wants us to be a people that will walk in the freedom. God wants us to be a people that will walk in the freedom to do what is right. To live out our life to our fullest potential here on earth so that we can bring people into the kingdom of God. God wants us to walk in the freedom to live and enjoy him. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves you. God wants us to be a people that would not be bound by our past, by shame, by guilt, by condemnation, by darkness, we can shine our faith to others by responding in humility before God, being real with God, with where we are at in here, in here, in our actions, and repent. By God's grace, we can run from sin to God. For him to help us turn away from it and be real with those he has called us to walk alongside with. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that is you. Yeah. You know, can I just be real here? Okay, I'm real here. <laughs> you know, last year, I went through one of the most horrible testing I've ever experience in my whole entire life, my whole entire life. And in moments of despair, I was tempted to get drunk off my face, go fall out. But it was only by God's grace, by God's grace, that he empowered me to say, no, Tyler, you don't have to go back to that life. That was over. I died on the cross for that. I rose again for that. Don't go back. And so by his grace, I was able to go to God instead of going to Jim Beam and tequila shots. Yes, I know. 
by his grace, he enabled me to be real with my sisters and say, you know what, I am feeling tempted to get drunk off my face tonight. Can you please just do whatever it takes to not let me get a hold of this bottle? By God's grace, we will only appreciate and, un- and appreciate and walk in this grace when we understand, when we realize the weight of sin that we have been forgiven from. We will only appreciate and walk in this grace when we realize the weight of sin that we have been forgiven from. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. This last part of our passage, James gives an illustration of two different people and yet well-known, they are two well-known heroes of the faith. This is found in Hebrews 11. Verse 23, it says, this was the description of Abraham. Abraham was a Jew. He belonged to a people group Sorry, he be- Abraham was a Jew. He belonged to God's people. He was a respected, godly man who was considered a friend of God. In verse 25 was Rahab. Rahab was a Gentile. She belonged to a group that was considered to be God's enemy. She had a bad reputation. Welcome to the club. She had a bad reputation. A sinful woman who was known as a prostitute. In Abraham's story, he was declared righteous before God when he believed God's promise that a child will come from him. And through this child, nations will be blessed. His name was Isaac. And James gives us this account from verse, from verse 23 in reference to Genesis 15, 6. So Abraham was actually made right with God the moment that he believed God. That is called justification by faith before God. Remember, let's not miss this. This is very important. Abraham was made right with God, called a friend of God in Genesis 15, because he believed God. Justification by faith before God. Many years later, which is found in Genesis 22, God tested Abraham's faith by commanding him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, on this altar. 
It's like my dad sacrificing my brother on the altar, right? That's hard. But because Abraham believed God, he willingly obeyed. This is what James refers to in this text as being justified by works. Remember, our justification before God is made right when we put our faith in him. Our justification by works before man is to demonstrate this faith from God through us to others, right? This is what James is talking about here. So, the manifestation of his faith was seen through his obedience to God. And so, similarly, in verse 25, Rahab heard about God and what he did on behalf of his people and what he was, um, um, sorry, believe on behalf of his people. So, we find this in Joshua 2. So she believed in what God had said and what he was about to do, which was the parting of the Red Sea. And because of this, she proved her trust in him by protecting the Jewish people, which, or the Jewish spies, or the messengers, which could have costed her life. And so even as a prostitute, someone shunned upon in the society Believe God, and because of this, it showed through her actions. And you know what? She became part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? A prostitute is part of Jesus' lineage? That gives us hope, family. And James closes with this, verse 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. The evidence of true of a true saving faith is seen when one's life is surrendered to his will. The justification by faith before God happens when we put our trust in the finished work of Christ. The justification by works before men happens when we allow this faith in Christ to be demonstrated in the way that we live our lives. They go together. This is complete faith. Abraham and Rahab's faith in God proved to be true through the acts of obedience, both costly. One was to a point of losing his only son, and the other was a point of losing her, her life. But both blessed many, and both were counted in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And so family, I don't know where the details of where you are in your walk with God. Maybe you are in a season of trials or testing. And you're probably thinking, I just can't make sense of this. I just want to give up. This is it. I'm over this. But can I encourage you this morning that God is there with you, that the testing of your faith 
is only to produce endurance in you so that you can mature. Because God wants us to grow up. He wants us to mature in our relationship with him. So the completeness of faith will be shown in and through us. For some of us, God is challenging you to step out and obey. You could be the link to change your community. You could be the link to be someone's voice, maybe a voice of justice or mercy to those crying out for help. You could be a link or you can be one of the seven people that will lead someone to know Christ. Or you could be a link to forgiveness in your family, in your relationships. You could be a link to demonstrate what freedom in Christ looks like. The freedom to walk in the fullness of God and free from sin, free from shame, free from bitterness, unforgiveness, you could be that link. And family, I just want to encourage us this morning that God's heart for you and I is that we would be set for eternity. We would be set for eternity. One thing is for sure in this life, we will all die. No material possessions, no Mercedes, no 10 degrees, no money can get you to heaven. Only faith in Jesus Christ and the opportunity that he gives you and I to not only proclaim the powerful truth of the gospel, but demonstrate it in and through our lives. And if you are a believer and you are struggling with sin, or maybe you don't know Christ yet, Jesus, Jesus is the perfect example of faith. He is the perfect example of active, useful, and complete faith. The life of Jesus actively demonstrated the character and the heart of God crossing barriers beyond comfort to reach and tend to the needs of many, thousands. The night before his persecution showed us a perfect example of useful faith. With the full knowledge of the gruesome death that was to come, he even cried out to the Father, if you could let this pass me by, this cup, pass me by, but not my will, your will. He was ridiculed, spat on, flogged, and beaten to a point of no recognition. The excruciating pain suffered on that cross, an opportunity for him to curse all of humanity, and yet he said, forgive them, for they do not know. Forgive them, for they do not know. Before he took his last breath, he cried out, it is finished. It is finished. He became sin 
for us all, took the punishment we deserved, past, present, and future. And he rose again three days later. He rose again three days later to conquer death, to defeat the enemy, and, and to prove that we can be made right with God. We can be made right with God. That for those who believe in him will not perish in hell, but have eternal life with God forever. His life, his death and resurrection complete this fullness of our faith in him. And let me just pray for us today as I close.